And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. JT, as we are back, our number two continues Right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. I'll be with John Gruden tonight. If you're a season ticket holder and you got the email, you know about it. There will be a kind of state of the team that we've done. And we've done this every year. And I get an opportunity to sit down with Coach for about an hour. If you got it in your email, if you're aware of that, I'll see you about 5 o'clock tonight as we'll talk about that. I'll get some questions in with Coach Gruden. And then we're going to answer questions that come from Raiders season ticket holders, which I'm excited about. Not many teams do this. Not many teams do this at all. This is classic Raiders giving you, the fans, an opportunity to talk about the team and what's going to happen this year and you know what you think are the goals of this team and how they need to win to get to the playoffs. You know, we've been talking about the game in San Francisco, which were brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. I had breakfast at the bar, at the Remy Martin Bar, at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. It was great. I got there. The game was at 11. Our pregame show got there about 9.30. Sat at that back bar, had an omelet, kicked back, cup of coffee. Great place to be. You have Modelo in the front and Remy Martin in the back. So I said this during the game. You know, when, when the game happened, we did the pregame show with Eric Allen, and we're playing some of that sound here today. I had zero expectations. Once I found out that 20 guys didn't fly up there or maybe more, there was no chance they were going to win that game with San Francisco playing their starters. And Garoppolo came out along with Trey Lance, and they were running two quarterbacks at the Raiders' second and third stringers. And now everybody's celebrating in San Francisco. And I said, uh, it looked to me like that whole game was a Chamber of Commerce commercial for Santa Clara. You know, the Niner fans were going to be pumping their chest. They were going to be pretty happy about that game, and they were going to get all into it because they still want to test out these quarterbacks. So Derek Carr didn't even make the trip. Marcus Mariota did not play. I'm concerned about that. I'm really concerned about the fact that Marcus Mariota, who's an emergency quarterback now, has been paid this much money, and he rarely gets in the game. Now, if if that's what Coach Gruden wants to do and the organization is good with that, far be it for me to say what's the right thing to do. I just wish Marcus Mariota was healthy. He came to the team unhealthy, got himself healthy, and he wasn't completely healthy this preseason, and that's a concern for me because that's his reputation now. If the Niners can run a dual quarterback set, the Raiders can run a dual quarterback set. The good news, I think, for the Raiders going forward is they know that they want to hide Marcus Mariota in these plays. They have a package set up for him. It's tough to figure out what they're going to run with him because we don't see it at all, and we're not going to see that in practice. So you have to believe at least that John Gruden, who's a very good play caller, and that's what he loves to do, that John Gruden would be in a situation where they would put together a whole bunch of plays for Marcus Mariota. But again, it just doesn't fit naturally to me because I don't think that Derek Carr wants to come out of games. I don't, I'll believe that as long as I know Derek Carr. I don't believe that Derek Carr wants to come out of games for Marcus Mariota, but it isn't his choice. This is not his choice at all. Derek doesn't get a choice on this. It's whatever John Gruden wants to do. 
So when I look at this going forward, I want to know what you believe Marcus Mariota can do here. Because if Marcus Mariota is not going to play at any level, and he's barely going to play, like I said the whole time, he should be used as trade bait to go somewhere else. And we saw enough of Nathan Peterman. And I'm confident that Nathan Peterman can come in if Derek Carr's banged up for a couple of weeks and play quarterback and run a structured John Gruden offense. Mariota has much more upside. So this should be a huge topic with Raider Nation because I was frustrated yesterday because I wanted to see what Marcus Mariota could do. I wanted to see if Marcus Mariota could go in there and not run read option. Of course not. Not run the new plays in the playbook, but just have an opportunity to get out there and prove that he could do something for the Raiders. And we didn't see that. And that, to me, is very disappointing. So Vic Tafer put out some great content on what could happen here as the ro- a roster cutdown comes and who could be here. You know, people are talking about Dylan Stoner. That's intriguing, as he said. What about John Brown? What about Willie Sneed? Didn't see much from either one of them. Were they locks in the beginning? We know that Henry Ruggs III, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renfro are untouchable. I like Zay Jones. I think Zay Jones is a Gruden guy, and Gruden loves him. So whatever happens at the wide receiver position, as I said, I don't think it's much of a concern because the base of this offense is set. If a wide receiver makes it as the sixth wide receiver who can do a little bit on special teams, great. But I don't think it's going to be an impact player. So whoever it is is the last wide receiver. If it's John Brown, Willie Sneed, if it's Stoner, it doesn't move me. This is the same depth chart that I've been giving you all summer long where I told you that the strength of this team in this offseason is they added starters to the team in depth. So I wasn't going to get crazy around roster cutdown because the last few people who can make this team and players, I didn't think it was a big deal either way. So I agree with Vic. When when we look at what's going to be here, Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, John Brown, Zay Jones, and I think Willie Sneed, because I remember when they got Willie Sneed, I talked to one of the coaches who says he's one of the best route runners, and he's perfect for Derek, because Derek will know where he is, and he'll run great routes, and he'll pick up a big first down when the Raiders need it. We know the tight end room is set, and it'll be led by Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. Moreau, Carrier can play. And they'll carry three tight ends. The offensive line, I've been a Brandon Parker guy. I think he needs to be there. Nick Martin was brought in as a backup because we were going to see him back up Andre James. Richie Incognito's got to stay healthy. Colt Miller, I think, is going to have a Pro Bowl year this year. John Simpson out of Clemson has got to step up his game. And Denzel Good's going to play because this offensive line has a tough time staying healthy. So I think everything's going to be strong there. As Vic wrote in his column, and I agree with a lot of this, uh, Gerald McCoy was brought in, and he'll make the defensive line. I thought they were going to carry nine defensive linemen until McCoy came, and that's where I think they can err on the side of caution and and carry an extra player. Yannick Ngakwe, Quinton Jefferson, Hankins, Max Crosby, Solomon Thomas, Clee Farrell, Darius Phylon, who I like a lot, Carl Nassib, Malcolm Coots, and Gerald McCoy. And I would have liked to have seen Nassib play a little bit more. I wasn't sold on Nassib 100%. They've paid Carl Nassib a ton of money, a big amount of money, and he has not lived up to that. If Nassib's going to be on this roster, Nassib's got to have a big year. 
Gus Bradley's got to put him in in this right rotation. He'll be fresh. His legs should be fine, and he's got to be explosive. Carl Nassib is a really big player here in this rotation. And I don't know. I wasn't positive he was going to make the team. But it seems like he was a bubble wrap guy that they felt could play. But I wanted to see more out of him. Then we get to the linebackers and the decisions coming up. Littleton, Kwiatkowski, Morrow with the injury. We got to find out how his status is going to be. They bring in Divine Diablo. Tanner Muse, who I didn't think played a great game. He's going to get a nod. He might even start at times. And Denzel Perryman, who I don't know how long it's going to take him to get up to speed here, but it better be quick because he was brought into play. And Perryman's had a better career than Nicholas Morrow. So that could be an accidental Morrow injury goes into getting a better player if he's ready to play. He's got to prove that he can stay healthy. And in the secondary, I've said this a while, there are a lot of guys in the secondary that I don't believe should be on the team because I don't think they add value as great players. Nevin Lawson is suspended for the first two weeks for PED violation. Mullen Merrig, Jonathan Abram, Casey Hayward, Arnett are safe. Nate Hobbs played himself possibly into a starter. Amik Robertson had a pretty good game yesterday. Vinny Bonsignor wrote about that. I think Isaiah Johnson flashes from time to time, but if he's not on the roster, it's not going to be the end of the world. And a big decision on Carl Joseph, who was brought in. And I think Carl Joseph, we know what he can do. And Raider Nation is comfortable with him there. So I never was going to get crazy on roster cuts because if there were a lot of decisions to be made here when it came to roster cuts, the Raiders were in big trouble. If the Raiders had about seven or eight jobs that were available, the Raiders would be in big trouble. I told you as they added, and especially when they did that sweep with the defensive line and added that many players, good players, and then brought Gerald McCoy in at the end, that a lot of extra players, they were going to be cautious. Guys were going to get cut in the secondary or guys were going to get cut possibly a wide receiver slot because they want to carry defensive tackles and ends on this team. The the big thing that Gus Bradley brings to this team is he wants a rotation with depth, and we didn't see much of it because the starters didn't play in the preseason. So I I went through the ebb and flow yesterday with Eric Allen. When we wrapped up the pregame show at M, we knew that the Raiders weren't going to compete. They were going to compete and try, you know, there's a lot of guys on the team trying to make the roster in their mind. I never bought into that. I only think there's two or three roster spots open, best case scenario. And especially with Javen White going down and Nicholas Morrow going down, they added that. Bringing in Perryman was all you can ask for. Could have been K.J. Wright. We'll find out the story down the road on his price point and what it would have cost the team. But Perryman's got to come in there. If McCoy and Perryman can play quickly at a high level, you know, Gerald McCoy was on national radio today And he says that it was the first time he played in 20 months. We knew that yesterday. He was a little bit sore, but I thought he had a good burst with him. That's the type of guy who needs to be on the field for the Raven game because of his experience, the ability with a paw, a big arm to grab Lamar Jackson if he takes off and runs. J.K. Dobbins is gone for the year. A really upscale, big-time running back. I think that's going to add more running plays and read options for Lamar Jackson on Monday Night Football. I just like the demeanor of McCoy, and I don't know how quickly he can get in playing shape. He's in pretty good shape. Derek Carr said at a press conference, if you recall, I think a week ago, that he looked at him and thought he was in good shape, and McCoy's been getting a lot of work done on the side there. But to me, all the years I've been with this team covering this team, 
I didn't think roster cuts were big this time around because they didn't play anybody. They didn't play anybody in the preseason. And I had a pretty good idea of the depth chart long before this. And if the internet's going to break because John Brown or Willie Sneed get cut for Stoner or they're going to add another player, or there's going to be a cut down and the Raiders are going to bring someone in and let someone go, it's not the end of the world. Raider Nation, you know the starters. You know what's at stake. You know that these guys who got rest now better show up. The guys who didn't play in the preseason, they didn't get a vacation. They worked their ass off in the preseason. That was a big part of what Coach Gruden said yesterday. The OTAs, all the work, the offseason, lifting weights, coming in shape. Big thing that Gruden said a month ago. These guys came to camp in shape. That's being required more compared to back in the day when guys came in out of shape and they needed the preseason and the preseason games to get in shape. Now we're at a point where the guys are in shape. The roster's pretty much set. I think it's one of the most explosive offenses in all of football. Imagine what happened to J.K. Dobbins happened to Josh Jacobs. Imagine if Josh Jacobs ran just one series or one quarter and blew out his knee. What would it be like today in the Raider Nation? I would have loved to have seen Derek Carr play at least a half of one game because I saw Tom Brady play, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. A lot of guys in the AFC played. Carr didn't play. That's risk-reward. But John Gruden's got tremendous confidence in Derek in this offense and the way he looked. Carr's never looked better coming out of preseason, but we didn't get a chance to see him play games. But all accounts from the practices that I've been at and talking to coaches and insiders, he is ready to go. And that running game better be ready to go because we're going to need that running game for Monday night football, either to take the air out of the ball with the lead and find a way to navigate a win or Josh Jacobs is going to have to have a couple of third and twos, third and threes, where Gruden or Carr changes out of a passing play due to the coverage and Marlon Humphrey and what's happening and gets into a running play and Josh Jacobs can get three bleeping yards and move the chains and keep Baltimore's defense tired and on the field. I love the matchup now against Baltimore only because of their injuries. If Baltimore was completely healthy, I think the Raiders got a big fight in them anyway. But I think the Raiders being healthy by sitting their starters hopefully will give them the advantage that they need against Baltimore on Monday night football. So as we talk about the roster today, your opinion on any player, 702-365-9200. I know a lot of my friends went to PTs for their draft party, and you still got some time. Book your fantasy football draft party. Fantastic time there. A lot of people were at PTs drafting this weekend. And they're having a great time. Also, while you're there, get your true rewards. Stop by NAPT's Tavern to join the best rewards program in town. New true rewards members receive $10 in free play slots when they earn 20 basis points. PT's got you covered everywhere. 702-365-9200. Big day, big night with my sit-down with John Gruden at 5 o'clock today. And we're just pounding through this show. And what was your big takeaway from the 49er loss yesterday? You good with it? I know Raider fans went to the game. I should be hearing from more Raider Nation who are at Levi Stadium going toe-to-toe with the Niners. What was that experience like in that sweltering building where there is no shade and people people run from their seats in the preseason? Did you get a chance to see that on TV? JT, we continue. More on the Raiders putting a bow on the preseason, getting ready for Baltimore on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.
Peterman is back into the gun. Points over to the right. Concerned about one of the rushmen. Takes a snap. Fires left. Got the first down. Touchdown! That was Nick Bowers out of Penn State, the tight end. He broke a tackle at the five-yard line and dashed in. Ren Mutzberger on the call. Peterman, if you told me three or four months ago that he'd play every snap of the preseason, we wouldn't see Carr or Mariota, I would have said you're joking. But that's the decision that John Gruden wanted to make, and he stuck with it. Uh, Mariota, to me, is an interesting play because there's a lot of backup quarterbacks third-string quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks that played in the preseason, but not Marcus Mariota. He has got to prove that he's available and can be healthy. So the only thing I got for you, Raiders, and I don't know any of this, I'm not guessing, I'm just throwing it out there, that's my job, is that there's a possibility that John Gruden's got some unbelievable package set for him that no one saw. Right? Does that make a little bit of sense? John Gruden's got something lined up for him that nobody's seen, nobody knows about, and we're not going to get a chance to see it until it counts, and maybe that'll be exciting. That's it. That's the only way I could say it because when I hear that he needs to be the emergency quarterback or they can only put him in an emergency, then what's the point having him? I, I know why you have him. He's there to back up Carr if Carr gets significantly injured. If he does, then you got a problem. You bring in Mariota. I think he's one of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL, but I'm going to get off that now. I called him the best backup quarterback in the NFL. I can't do that. I can't do that if he's not going to play. So my new best backup quarterback in the entire NFL is Gardner Minshew, who's now the backup quarterback in Philadelphia. He's the best, game-ready, ready-to-play, Jacksonville starter, now goes to Philadelphia. He moves to number one over Mariota because he plays, and he's available, and Mariota hasn't been. So I hope that Mariota is ready if Gruden needs him. And there's no doubt Peterman is someone that John really trusts. Trusts a lot and wants to have him ready and doesn't want to give him to another team because he has all the secrets of the playbook. can get you up here now, 702-365-9200. We're looking for your preseason grades. Just include everything. Include everything in your preseason grades, and we'll get you all set up there. Everything you like about it, not just the games. Let's head out to Snake Man in South Carolina. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. What's up, brother? Hey, a couple things yeah. quick. Um, I like the Baltimore matchup as well. I think we can get away with running, like, you know, three three safeties in that game, being that we're a little depleted at linebacker right now, and they're down Dobbins. And on that preseason game yesterday, you know, we got to remember, we were playing, you know, third round or third string guys pretty much that whole game. Those guys were gassed by the end of that game. So that game got out of hand. But, uh, you know, that's neither here nor, near here nor there. Uh couple things quick about uh, McCoy. I think he's just as impressive of a person as he is a football yeah. player. I heard that interview today earlier. What a nice, fun, loving, witty guy. And he's got his act together, man. This guy is a hell of a uh, pickup for the Raiders. And I think the guy that might benefit the most from having a guy like McCoy in there is Cleo uh, Farrell. And the reason why... Yep. The reason, why I say, the reason why I say that real quick, JT, is I want to give you a comparison. Michael Bennett, when he came out, his first two years, his numbers were comparable to Cleese right now. He took mm-hmm. off his third year, and for six years, he averaged eight to nine sacks and about 40 to 45 combined tackles a year. If we can get that out of Cleveland Farrell, who wouldn't appreciate that? Well, you have to get it out of him. He was taking number four overall. 
You say, if yeah. we get that out of him, you have to get that out of him because one of the greatest players in the league was drafted behind him and in front of him. You've got to get something more out of Cleveland Farrell. I just like the fact that he doesn't seem down and bummed out about the fact that his role is not going to be a starter because he better not be that guy. Mayock must have interviewed him or knew before he drafted him that, hey, if this doesn't work out initially the way we hope it, you're not going to go in the tank on us, right? And he went to Clemson. He won a national championship. He was a great defensive captain on that team. He has got to continue to be a character guy, handling the ups with the downs, and be ready when his name is called. Yep, and I don't think we need to get uh, Khalil Mack out of him, but I think if, we, if he ended up having a career like Michael Bennett, I think we'd be really happy with that production, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would be, but I'm not going to make that comparison now unless I see it. Appreciate the call. That's a big if. You know, I want Clee to do well. I, I, I think he's a good young man and a very good leader on this team. And I, I think he's got to really play with the burst in that first game. Can you understand in this first game? Let, let me tell you a couple things now. I've been in the stadium all last year for every game. Every game, home and away. So I've been in there when it was dead silence, not even a cleaning crew. And I've been there when there was just no fans and the staff. Then I went to Garth Brooks. I went to Guns N' Roses. And I went, you know, what was the, I've hosted events there, the Raider Alumni Dinner. I've been in there a bunch, more than most people. I'm predicting this is going to be a madhouse on Monday, okay, the Monday night football game. It's going to be so bleeping loud that it could cause a problem for Derek because we saw in the first preseason game when Peterman tried to quiet the crowd down. This crowd's not going to be able to do that. They're not. They're just not sophisticated enough. It's not an old-school Oakland crowd. It's not. They're not going to be quiet. We want them to be quiet. We're going to tell them to be quiet. It's going to be chaos. Like nothing Gruden's ever coached in, it's going to be louder than a Super Bowl because Super Bowls aren't loud. Corporate events. Guys take their wives to the Super Bowl have never taken their wives to a game in their life. They bring them to the Super Bowl. It's not loud. It's not crazy. It's not bedlam. This place was built with the acoustics, and they're trying to dial that in. I was impressed with Guns N' Roses. You know, there are so many sound snobs that have been a part of these first two concerts, Garth, and obviously Guns N' Roses. Well, I, I was talking to a guy at an event. I went to a baby shower at Virgin with my wife and her friends. Great event at Olives. If you haven't been to the new Olives restaurant inside Virgin, where my other favorite restaurant, One Steakhouse, is, we went to Olives, and I was talking to a guy who went to Guns N' Roses. I go, what do you think? He's like, I'm on the floor halfway back. It didn't sound great. I'm like, what are you talking about? I was there. It sounded unbelievable. My best friend who left today, I just dropped him off the airport. He was in the 10th row, said it was the best rock show he might have been to, top four all time, and he's been to 100 shows with me. And he's a musician. He's a guitar player. It's great. But for football, it's going to be maddening because everybody's going to be there. There's going to be a lot of fans from the other team. Deal with that. There's going to be 10, 15, 20,000. We welcome everybody. We want Raider fans to buy most of the tickets. It's not going to happen. There are going to be opposing fans who get in there. They're going to be loud. Raider fans are going to be loud. And the acoustics are going to be incredible for football. That's got to make a difference to Lamar Jackson in this game. I'm hoping that on third and 11, third and six, he can't call the play. That he's using hand signals. Every Raider fan's up on their feet which they won't be, but a lot of them will be, and it's bedlam. And if the Raiders can kind of plug into that bedlam and these guys' legs are fresh like Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe and the tackles are making plays over the middle, all these tackles and edge rushers need to do is get home 
0.4 or 0.3 seconds faster than last year so the cornerbacks and the safeties can break on a ball because Lamar is going to be rushed to do it. The concern is what happens if Lamar tucks and runs and takes off and a safety and a cornerback have their back turned on Hollywood Brown who's running a go route and then Lamar's off to the races. That concerns me a lot. Tone and Modesto, you're up next. How are you, Tone? Hey, JT. Uh, great show. Like I was saying, I got a, my tan yesterday. I was sitting in the, on the Raiders' side. I see Mariota come out. I was thinking getting lathered up. I thought for sure he was going to get it one series or something. I, I was disappointed about that. My grade for the Raiders is a B- minus because I haven't really mm. seen nothing besides the guys yeah. fighting for the squad. Um, I'm really concerned, like you said. I mentioned yesterday about Tanner getting at the goal line stance. That's, that's irrelevant now. But that linebacker core, man, I don't see no Darius Leonard, no Levante David, no Devin White. I, we need some, we need some, we need that linebacker thing is really concerning me. Um, and again, JT, you know better than I, man. Why does the darn books have us at an eight over and under at eight? I I hope they're wrong, man. We got to get to ten and make a run. That's concerning to me, JT, lifelong yeah. Raider fan. Enjoy the show, brother. Thank you. That, the, the Vegas bookmakers deal with millions of dollars, and they think the Raiders are an eight-win team. That's what they do, and a lot of times they're right. And the Raiders are going to have to prove them wrong. I don't gamble. I don't bet. I put gamblers on the radio. Again, if I was betting this year, I would take the Raiders in the over. I really would. I would take the Raiders in the over this year because I like them to be over the number because the number's light. If the over-under on the Raiders was 9.5, you know, I'd hesitate because I don't know how big of a lock 10 games are going to be. If the Raiders can get an early win on the schedule before Miami, I think they're off to the races. I really do. But they can't start off 0-2. they got to get a win early in the season, and I think they will. Last year they started off 2-0, and they looked good. They looked good at Carolina, and they were exceptional against Drew Brees. And New Orleans, who didn't have, you know, Michael Thomas was an issue. This year, Baltimore's injured. Losing K, uh, J.K. Dobbins is a real deal there. It's a big deal. And they're, and they're you know, first-round receiver with the groin surgery. I'm doing a lot of homework now on Baltimore. And fortunately, the Raiders can pick up on a couple of those guys. I don't root for injuries. I don't want to see Lamar Jackson gone for the year before the Raider game. I would never do that. Never been that type of radio host. I want everybody to be at 100%. If you can't beat a team at 100%, you don't deserve to beat them. But the Raiders got breaks last year, and a lot of Raiders were injured last year. You don't think the Tampa Bay world champion Buccaneers got a break when the Raiders' offensive line didn't practice the whole week before the game? What a break that was for them. Now you take a look at some of the other teams on the schedule for the Raiders. They're going to face Ryan Fitzpatrick, Tua, Jalen Hurts, or Gardner Minshew. They're going to be facing quarterbacks that they can beat because they have a better one in Derek Carr. And everybody's crowning Justin Herbert as better than Derek Carr. I don't think that's the case. I think that Justin Herbert has a bigger ceiling than Derek Carr. Had a very good year last year, but Derek Carr's put up that year. Derek Carr had that year in 2016. A better year than what we saw from Herbert. So Carr can do that again. I I know Carr's better than Bridgewater and Drew Locke. And Carr almost swept Patrick Mahomes last year. So there's got to be winnable games on the schedule. But they're only going to matter if the winnable games are early. If the Raiders are out of the playoffs at the halfway point or 10 games in, who cares if there's winnable games late? It's going to be too late. So they got to manage the schedule this year, and I think they'll be able to do it. 702-365-9200 is the number. Man, there's a lot happening today. And also, I'm going to get into coming up 
what's going on with the Mets. Something happens. I, I go on the air every Sunday night. It's my first show of the week. This is my second. I do 10. That's fun. <laughs> Staring down the barrel. At this one and eight more, usually. And last night, the whole show was on Javi Baez of the Mets. Javi Baez at the Mets is given thumbs down now when he does something good because the Mets fans boo him when he does something bad. This is incredible story. It's one of the biggest stories in sports, and I can tie it into the Raider Nation. As I said last night, I have never in my life, over 50 years, ever booed my home team. Never. Never crossed my mind. Now, I've been frustrated. I have an alter ego, cranky Yankee. When the Yankees lose, I want to fire the manager. I want to trade Stanton. I take an empty beer cup. I throw it on the ground. I've been frustrated before, but I've never stood up in my home building stadium or arena and booed my the, the, a player on my team never crossed my mind has it crossed your mind have you ever done that why would you do that why would you boo your own team i'm not saying you can't be frustrated and be upset with your team but if you consciously stand up in your home stadium and boo while there are other fans in your stadium from the other team that are booing too or mocking your team that's called a fair-weather fan if you start clapping. So Baez is talking about the fact that he's in a big slump. He's striking out a lot. He had a home run over the weekend, and the fans started cheering for him. Big home run. I mean, one of the longest home runs I've ever seen him hit. He came around third base, and he put his thumbs down. That was his message to the Met fans. No, 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 no. You can't cheer for me after you've been booing me and dumping on me the whole time. Here's Javier Baez. Not much change. We're gonna struggle, you know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna struggle seven times out of out of ten, and and you know it just it just feels bad when 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 we strike out when I strike out and I get booed. You know it doesn't really get to me, but like I want I want to let them know that when we success, we're gonna do the same thing to to know how to to let them know how how it feels, you know. Because if we win together, then we we gotta lose together, you know. And 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 the fans are really big part of it. So um, in my case. They, they got to be better, you know. I, I play for the fans and I love the fans, but, you know, if, if they're going to do that, they, they're just putting more pressures on the team, and, and that's, not, that's not what we want. That's a world champion player from the Cubs saying that the Met fans have to be better as he's a rental player. He's a, the Mets gave up a lot to get him to rent him so they could be, you know, a championship team this year, like they could put the train back on the track and make it to the playoffs. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. So now if the Mets don't re-sign him to a new contract, they're screwed because they gave up a lot. But how do you sign a guy to a new contract when the president of the team, Sandy Alderson, has to put out a statement and says this is unacceptable behavior? Raider Nation, have you ever booed the Raiders? I've heard frustration at the Coliseum, but I don't think the typical Raider fan could get away with that. I think the Raiders would police themselves, the fans would. If a Raider fan stood up in the aisle and started booing, Look, Jamarcus Russell was a bust, unfortunately. Good kid, came in, was a bust. You know how what I think of Trent Brown. I think Trent Brown is a bum. But I don't know many Raider fans that boo their own team. And it's happening in New York, and the phones are on fire today in New York City. Everybody is talking about it. It's that big of a deal. 702-365-9200. Also, we're going to get to Eric Allen. Uh, There's a new segment that Bobby came up with, which I think is brilliant. We're doing the pregame with uh, Eric Allen, and Bobby says to me in a text, hey, man, you hear what he's saying? This is so good. Let's get a segment out of it on Monday. I said, absolutely. 
You've been producing a long time, Bobby. If you got an idea, let's run with it. So what we're doing now is we're taking a couple of EA's keys, E's keys, during the game, before the game, and the pregame, and we're talking about it Monday to see if it wraps up together and it joins together with the analysis. Now, preseason doesn't mean as much as regular season, as you know. But Eric Allen's got a strong voice in football, doing a lot of TV for the Raiders. He's got a lot of strong opinions, and it's an honor to work with him. So here's a little Eric Allen from the pregame show as we start off and the postgame show as we mix it in here. Uh, Bobby's got the postgame cuts here on the Gruden evaluation period and not playing the starters. Some good insight uh, from Coach's press conference, and probably the most important was his evaluation period. And every team is different, right? So you have a veteran team that you kind of understand these are the guys you're going to go into the games with. With the Raiders, we have a young, inexperienced team uh, that the frontline guys are players in their second and first years. So those backups, those guys who can push, they need to be evaluated. And what he's saying is the college season the last year wasn't good enough to be able to evaluate those players uh, significantly to make this squad. So he needed three preseason games to evaluate these players who are going to play a pivotal role in some aspects of them getting into the ball game, uh, 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 and it's not just the young players. You, you're talking about a guy like Jerry McCoy who's coming off an injury. Yeah. He needed to be seen. He needed to play tonight, and from my viewpoint, I thought he played pretty well, sure you know, coming off injury, and we talked earlier in pregame about the different types of tackles. One's a run-stuffer guy. One's a pass He was penetrating, and he's the kind of guy who can get after the quarterback and on his way to uh, uh, the run. So, again, the evaluation period for this Raiders club, really important to evaluate those players, and that's why we didn't see the starters in these preseason games. So that's a six-time Pro Bowler, a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame last year. That's really good analysis. He picked that up on his own after listening to Coach Gruden in the press conference about what John's trying to do and mixing and matching these players and resting the starters. He also talked about the defense and the improvement that he's seeing the entire offseason, how fundamentally better sound they are from last year. You saw some missed chances for these young players to really show up just by fundamentally making sure you're leveraging, making Mm -hmm. sure you're not um, allowing the ball to bounce outside, how you're taking on a block, not turning, uh, you know, around and kind of figuring out, hey, you know, let me let me. Uh, not take on the blocker and use my hands, try and run around him, those kind of things. We want to see fundamentally sound football. It's okay to get blocked, but don't stay blocked. Make sure you're using everything you can to be able to get off, trace the ball. I just didn't see enough of that consistently with these guys. And again, JT, I'm not expecting you to defeat every blocker and make tackles for a loss, but when you turn on film, you want to say, can I get this guy with a year in the weight room to be able to defeat this blocker properly and not utilize some kind of uh, you know high school gimmick? Yeah. Yeah, Eric Allen, one more from him. In the background, maybe you heard a slot machine. Yeah, we're, if you would have told me 10 years ago, I'd be hosting the Raiders pre and post inside a casino next to a bank of slot machines. It's a great location. We're out right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. 
but I'm watching people play blackjack like six feet away from me, hitting on 15, and then I'm seeing someone win a slot and yell. It's really bizarre in a good way. I like it. I like him. I like everybody who works there. But Eric and I are turning around. Jackpot, jackpot, gambling. You remember what Vegas thought of gambling four or five years ago and what's happening now? I cannot believe that we're doing the show there. It's great. You know, it's a free country. Gamble all you want, drink all you want, and have a great time. One more now from Eric Allen on his opinion on the players who are on the bubble who might have made the team. Yeah, it's so important for Raider fans to focus on, you know, these players who played in this game. How many of those players are going to be able to support and help this football team on Monday night? Maybe two or three, you know, basically who are playing. I think, again, I think when you talk about Carl Joseph, I think he made an impact tonight. I think he'll be uh, in that role as a backup safety. I think Amik Robertson has maybe found his his way into that backup nickel spot behind Hobbs. And again, I think uh, Gerald McCoy and him and Solomon Thomas the last couple of weeks have kind of fortified those demons to tackle backups so they have that great rotation. Because all we talk about and all we need to hear is about being able to provide pressure on the quarterback in the fourth quarter. That is extremely important. And if you have a good rotation uh, in that defensive line, that's going to make that a lot easier. Yeah, this rotation thing, and I'm going to be talking about that with John Gruden tonight. If you're a PSL holder, all you have to do is have a PSL. That means you're a season ticket holder. You probably already in your email have it. So if you look in your email, you'll have the invite. That is at 5 o'clock. It is the state of the team which Coach John Gruden and myself, I'll be at the Raiders studios at their headquarters. There's a live link. Look in your email. You'll be getting correspondence from the Raiders if you're a PSL holder and the opportunity to get in there and listen to what Coach Gruden has to say. And I got a bunch of questions that we've been preparing with the team, and one of them are going to be about this rotation that he just talked about. This will be a big question tonight. What's the difference between having four starters on the defensive line, which Coach Gruden's had in the past with other teams, he's a Super Bowl winning coach, compared to what he has now with Gus Bradley's rotation and how these guys are going to earn more reps? Isn't that maybe one of the most fascinating storylines that you're talking about this offseason? I think you are because I've talked to Raider fans about it, and it was incredible. It, it was, it, that's what they're doing now. That's what they're doing, and it was really the focus of the entire offseason. How, how is everybody going to get up to speed and play in this rotation and play at a very high level? That's what I expect to see, and it'll be this rotation, and we'll talk more about that. Some of John Gruden's postgame analysis when we come back, and I got one more segment to take your phone calls on the Raider grade. The Raider grade that you'd like to hear or like to tell us about a, B, C, or D in the preseason. What do you think? You didn't play many of the starters. So how do you bounce out of that not playing the starters and get ready to go for a team as good as Baltimore? They got to be ready. We're brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders. Brewed as a model of what good beer should be. If anything, uh, I feel even better about it. Um, just watching how guys have competed um, against the Rams in practice, in the game, and no matter who's on the field, it's it's 
when you've been doing it as long as, as I have, more than just the result, you look at the fight and how guys, uh, you know, push through adversity. We didn't have a lot of guys today, but guys were fighting, regardless of how long they had to play, how many snaps they had to play. Guys were fighting. And when you can have a team full of guys that are doing that, it can take you a long way. That's an important soundbite from Gerald McCoy. And that's what he's saying, as I expect him to make the team. He was brought in to make the team and be an impact guy, former six-time Pro Bowler, hasn't played in 20 months, and they're going to need him. They're going to need him because of his experience and the ability to really lead this team. I think this team's got good leaders. We've talked about that a lot. This is a team that has a lot of leaders. And look at the maturity of Max Crosby. Got sober. He, He talks about his sobriety. Same with Darren Waller. And they're just talking about leadership all the time. It's leadership quotes coming from them. You get that from Derek Carr all the time. Richie Incognito, if he could stay healthy. Unbelievable sound bites about leadership. And then you got the coaches, Rod Marinelli, Ron Malias. You listen to what Gus Bradley says, Coach Gruden. They, they seem like they have the guys they want. That's one of the really big pushbacks I give the radio shows I go on or I talk to other fans about, you know, why did Gruden break down this team? Why did Gruden tear it down? Why did Gruden do this? He did it because he wanted the guys that he wanted, and he has them. Now, all of them haven't panned out, but at least he went into the process looking for players that he thinks fits his scheme on offense and their character guys. But, you know, some of the Clemson and Alabama guys now have to step up and play at a very high level. That it was, you know, you got to come in and you got to play better and there's a bunch of guys who are in that boat colt miller's not in that boat colt Colt miller was drafted very high and he's living up to it alex leatherwood's gonna have to live up to that i think he is he's had a great camp and then we'll see what happens with andre james you know john simpson you look at the guys who are going to be stepping up and playing there's a couple of holes you know you don't have rodney hudson and gabe jackson over there in the middle and on the right side that's going to have to step up A lot of people are going to scrutinize the play of the offensive line early in the season. A couple of John Gruden bites after the game on the tough decisions as he brings the roster down to 53. Well, we have issues with the trainer first. We have to see who's healthy. And, um, you know, there's going to be special teams considerations. we got a lot of things to consider, so I'm not going to say too much today. But there were some guys that uh, got a great opportunity for three straight weeks. Uh, to showcase where they are, what they're capable of doing, and uh, we'll do what we think is right for our team. They always do what they think is right. There are I only think there's a few tough decisions. I could be wrong. Maybe there's a lot of tough decisions. I've seen this roster and had my you know, roster breakdown. I've given it to you all summer. I don't think there's going to be a lot of big surprises. If there's one, okay. But there's not going to be four, five, six surprises here because this roster was built via free agency in the draft with starters and guys who need to play instantly right out of the gate, which is going to be critical. More from Gruden on how he approached that road trip to Santa Clara. Well, obviously we have a lot of injuries at linebacker. We lost another one early in the first series, and um, and we want to make sure we evaluate our team, and uh, that's what we've done. We've pretty much done the same thing for three straight years, so this is four straight years. This should be no surprise. Um, We know where Jacobs is. We know who our starting five linemen are. Who's the sixth man? Who's the seventh man? Who's the eighth man? We may not have that. We'll find out. But um, valuation is critical. The only way you can evaluate guys is in live situations. And uh, we needed this three preseason games to see where our second-year players are, where some of our new players are, and where our rookies are. 
Yeah, John Gruden uh, is a guy that you know, preseason means a lot to him. He's an evaluator. He builds plays. He builds his playbook, hopefully stronger than the year before. But this year was challenging. Remember last year there were no preseason games due to COVID. This year it was cut down to three. Here's Coach. That's good. We've had a good offseason. You know, I don't know if you were with us in Los Angeles when we scrimmaged the Rams. Our starters had two good days down there. Um, it's going to be a unique challenge for every, every team in the league this year. There's going to be some idle time before the opener. And um, the first thing's first. You know, we got to cut the roster down to 53, and uh, that'll be the process that will really negotiate our, our future here and how we handle next week. Big part of being a coach is this part about getting in the room with all the other coaches and making that decision. Uh, one more on Gerald McCoy, who we just heard coming out of the break, and what impact he brings potentially to this team with his maturity and leadership. Yeah, and I got to look at the tape, and I asked you know Gerald during during the game, after the game, how he was doing. It was just great to see him out there. He had a tough injury, did not play last year. We've been smart with him, and I thought this was a really good uh, step in the in the right direction for him and um really positive uh, results i think a big story today is carson wentz who had a fight through an injury with his foot some people thought including myself he was going to be out missed the first game of the year maybe they'd have to bring in philip rivers he heals quickly but now he along with pro bowl center ryan kelly and receiver zach paschal have been placed on the reserve covid19 list three players were placed on the list after coming in close contact with Colt staff members who tested positive. Now remember, players can return in five days if they continue to have negative tests and remain symptomatic. The fact that the three players were placed on the list as close contacts is an indication that they are not vaccinated. They don't have the vaccine. Are you kidding me with Carson Wentz? And his inability to be available... And he's not vaccinated. As Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all of these leaders around, Derek Carr, I'm vaccinated. Carson Wentz, Lamar Jackson, unbelieping real, if that is the case here. If you're a quarterback in the NFL making over $100 million, we have the right to know if you're vaccinated because you can tank the team season and cause a forfeit. And that's what we assume we know now, according to Mike Wells of ESPN. Thanks to Leo Aragus and all the callers. Great day on the phones. We appreciate everybody for listening. Thanks to Bobby who produced the show. Big shows the rest of the week. If you're around tonight, 5 o'clock sharp, John Gruden and myself, we will do a state of the team at Raiders.com. You'll get the email if you're a PSL holder. Hope to see you there. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.